Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder, treason, and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. You're going to love this. Just love it. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. Enough, I'm still not scared. How do I? How do I? Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I am stuck in the middle with you <clears throat> once again on the day after. On the KPFK broadcast, 90.7 FM in Los Angeles on KPFK Pacifica Radio, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, 91.7 KYAQ FM on the Oregon Central Coast. Hey, way to go, Oregon. Smartly done. And, of course, coast-to-coast and around the globe on kpfk.org, on the Stitcher app, on the TuneIn app, on the Progressive Voices channel, on Netroots Radio, on Indie Media Weekly, and now on iTunes. You can run, but you can't hide from the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com. Man, those Democrats aren't very good at the massive voter fraud I've been told that they do every election. (laughs) Uh, The election last night, we are broadcasting live from Los Angeles the day after the election. Uh, The House uh, looks like they will have approximately 435 seats. That's four seats. I'm sorry. I got my numbers wrong. In any case, they will have four seats more than they have ever had in history in the U.S. House of Representatives. The Republicans will. They also picked up at least seven seats in the U.S. Senate, which, by the way, is kind of average for uh, the second term of a president in the uh, midterm election, the sixth year uh, of a president of the opposite party. Generally, the opposite party will pick up about six seats in the U.S. Senate. Not a huge surprise there, but a huge surprise because the numbers were so lopsided, so unbelievably lopsided. And um, I'm going to talk about all of that today. Some concerns I have, some problems. Uh, you'll forgive me if I'm uh, losing my voice here. Been up all night covering things. We, uh, You can uh, survey the damage at bradblog.com. Of all the problems voters had across the country trying to cast their vote. Uh, and then, of course, the bizarre numbers that came in to follow it. Uh, I'll give you one example that jumps out. Secretary of State Chris Kobach, the Republican out of Kansas, he was uh, in a tie race, according to the local media, according to polling last week, plus or minus 4 percent margin of error. 
Chris Kobach, the Secretary of State, the Republican there, who everyone thought was going to, you know, possibly lose, uh, ended up winning by 18 points. Is that possible? Maybe so. All right. Some of the good news from last night very quickly. Uh, Republican Tom Corbett, the nation's second dumbest governor, uh, he lost in Pennsylvania to Tom Wolf by a reportedly huge margin. Uh, the bad news, however, is the dumbest governor in the nation, Maine's Paul LePage, who believes that uh, windmills are actually run with little motors on the inside of them. He somehow managed to hang on thanks to a three-way race up there in Maine. Uh, some more good news here, some progressive wins. Uh, background, background checks on gun sales were approved up in Washington state. There were minimum wage hikes in uh, Arkansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, Illinois, uh, a lot of red states there approving of minimum wage. A $15 minimum wage was approved up in San Francisco by more than 70 percent. The personhood amendment was defeated for the third time in Colorado, even though Colorado appears to have elected a new Republican U.S. senator who uh, favors personhood. Go figure. Marijuana legislation was approved. Marijuana legalization, I should say, was approved in Oregon, in Alaska, in Washington, D.C. It won two to one. Uh, It didn't win in Florida. It was on the ballot there. At least medical marijuana was on the ballot in Florida. But it required a 60 percent vote to win because it was going to be a constitutional amendment. It only got between 57 and 58 percent reportedly. Don't know if that counts all the people who weren't able to vote in Broward County because the electronic voter ID systems went down yesterday and uh, crippled a lot of polling places. Those are the sort of problems that happened all over the country. I'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, Sentencing reform for nonviolent offenders uh, out here in California, Prop 47, that succeeded. So a lot of those felonies will now become misdemeanors. A lot of those nonviolent drug arrests uh, will change out here in California. That's good news. Oregon voters defeated the top two primary ballot uh, system, which is terrible. We have it down here in California. It keeps third parties out of the system entirely. Oregon, smart enough to say no by a two-to-one margin against that. On the other hand, uh, the requirement to label GMOs up in Oregon lost, even though, you know, they were very progressive up there. Marijuana was legalized in Oregon. They got rid of the top two. They reelected Democrat Jeff Merkley uh, for the U.S. Senate. But GMO labeling lost. Did it? Really? Oh, OK. Uh, that's what we are told. Uh, in the meantime, predictably, the media is turning immediately to what they always turn to. Uh, who to blame? Who to blame for what happened last night? And... Um, An easy target year after year is younger voters. They just didn't come out. Let's blame the younger the younger voters. And in fact, if we are to believe what is in the exit polls, uh, once again, younger voters did not come out Uh, last night uh, or on Tuesday night. The uh, electorate, according to the exit polls, which, by the way, are adjusted to They are adjusted after the election results on the voting systems come in. So the presumption is that the voting systems are accurate and therefore they then adjust the exit polls 
to meet what comes out of the uh, election results, if that makes sense. So after all of that adjustment, <clears throat> it turns out that uh, the voters, old older voters, 37 percent of the electorate was made up of voters over 60 years old uh, in 2014. Now, uh, contrast that when uh, younger voters came out in 2008 and 2012, the vote over 60 was just 23 percent and 25 percent, respectively. Uh, when Dems, Democrats, took over the House in 2006, the uh, 60-year-old or older vote was only 29 percent. When the Republicans took over the House back in 2010, once again, uh, the electorate was made up of a lot of older voters, 32 percent of the electorate at that point. So uh, young, young voters, we are told, make the difference. Well, did they not turn out yesterday? It would appear that's the case. I would argue it's because they were given nothing to vote for. But let's talk to somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. My old friend, Matthew Siegel, the co-founder of OurTime.org. He's been a friend since the dark days of Ohio 2004. He's a, a frequent guest on Real Time with Bill Maher. Uh, OurTime.org. It's a nationwide nonprofit organization that empowers and speaks for the interests of young Americans. They've built a membership of more than one million people by organizing campaigns that register and educate voters, advocate for economic opportunity, and they focus on voting reform. Oh, there's a good idea. College affordability, equal rights and job opportunities, to name a few. Matthew Siegel, welcome back, sir, to the broadcast. Brad Friedman, I'll join for you anytime. <laughs> really great to have you here. Really great to talk to you again. It's been way too long, uh, but I had to uh, I had to get you up uh, on today's show because clearly you and your young people did not show up to vote yesterday. So whatever happened in the election is all your fault, Matt Siegel. <laughs> how, how do you explain well, yourself? You know, I, I I think to a certain degree we do have to take some. Everyone has to take self-responsibility uh, for their current political situation, uh, given that we do live theoretically in a representative democracy where we all have a voice. But more importantly, I think what you said in your lead-in is spot on. There was really nothing to vote for. There was no inspirational or aspirational policy that would motivate young people to say, wait a second, I actually feel like I can change the current status quo by turning out. And so the, the current race we had was centered on the politics of differentiation. It was all around cynicism and attack ads. We saw the spending in certain Senate races get over $100 million, like in North Carolina. And so it was just a bitter, nasty campaign. But if you, if you go back to 2008, when young people did turn out, you had a candidate, Barack Obama, who was talking about things like expanding national service for everyone and making college more affordable and ensuring that we have civil rights legislation and end racial profiling. And none of these bold things that young people care about were addressed anymore. We were talking about interest rates on student loans rather than whether we should make college free like Germany just did. We were talking about uh, whether or not we can... Uh, slightly change the tax code around jobs rather than can we, much more importantly, uh, invest heavily in 
all these AmeriCorps positions that are wildly popular and terribly underfunded by young people. So I don't think candidates were talking about young issues. And then, of course, they don't really know how to reach us because most candidates are not that sophisticated in leveraging social media and online technology to meet us where we live. And so their vehicles of communication, i.e. TV ads, are quite a bit outdated and antiquated. You say that they were not talking about issues of interest to young people. I would actually argue they were not talking about is- issues of interest to anyone. Uh, it's yeah. it's when you look at, uh, you know, the Republicans were running, frankly, on nothing uh, other than Barack Obama is terrible. And, of course, that means the uh, Democrats ran away from Barack Obama because the Republicans said he was terrible. You know, never mind that uh, the economy is improving, that gas prices are down, there's a record high in the stock market. Uh, millions more have health insurance, et cetera, et cetera. Let's just run away from the president. So that's what Democrats do. But in the meantime, they didn't talk about anything, it seems to me. Not just uh, you suggest, Matt Siegel, that they talked about interest rates of student loans. Uh, maybe, maybe a few of them did. Maybe, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren did. But it seems like they did not come out and said, look, you give us a, a, a Democratic House of Representatives, you give us a, a U.S. Senate, we will give you uh, X, Y, Z, whatever it is, you know, getting rid of the obscene interest rates on student loans. I, I'm, in other words, I think that young people do understand interest rates on student loans, but they don't understand what the Democrats actually stand for, what they are actually going to do about it. Uh, and I would argue maybe that's because... And so in- I have an op-ed. I have yeah. an op-ed that ran in Salon today. Yeah. And the op-ed was that the reason Elizabeth Warren and, frankly, Rand Paul are the most popular candidates in their respective parties is because they are the only people with big, different ideas rather than merely just saying, I'm not like the other guy, mm-hmm. which is what we had, a campaign of of mundane contrasts. And and yet we're told that uh, Elizabeth Warren won't run, Bernie Sanders won't run, most likely because uh, it's Hillary Clinton. Is there any evidence that Hillary Clinton uh, understands issues of concern uh, for, for younger voters? Because I'm trying to figure out what it is uh, that is even going to uh, make young, young voters want to turn out in 2016 if the candidate is... Hillary Clinton, or do young voters come out for presidential elections, period, and they just don't come out for midterm elections? Well, we always see turnout increase around presidential years because there's even more media hype and Mm -hmm. focus. And we live in a society now where we have this superhero theory where we think the president can solve all of our problems. But what's obviously dangerous about that ideology is that, as we have recently learned, Congress really has not only veto power of everything that the president does, but they're actually the branch of government that introduces legislation, creates laws, and by all means uh, controls, you know, in many ways the, 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 the president's ability to get his agenda passed. So we put way too much stake and stock in who the president is rather than who Congress is. And that's a civic education problem, Brad. None of these college, none of these schools today, K through 12, I'm not even talking colleges, teach civics. 
So young people grow up and they don't understand why Congress is important. They don't understand how the legislative process works. And that's also why you see lower voter turnout in midterm elections. But I got to tell you, I, I, I was I have always been angry when I hear you know, people blaming voters when I hear Democrats blaming voters, because I don't think it's just young people who may not understand the importance of Congress. I think the electorate uh, as a whole doesn't understand no, I'm that. Out, I'm not singling out my generation. In no, no. fact, I'm an advocate. for the Of generation. course. I think I think we're a fantastic generation that has a lot of unique characteristics is going right. to help improve this country. My all I'm saying is that the systems uh, that are supposed to teach us about our democracy have failed us because most Americans today grow up without a formal training of how does government right. work? What is the Bill of Rights? What is the Constitution? Why do, what are the chambers of government? How do they intercollaborate? And, and where don't they collaborate, etc.? Yeah, no, exactly. And I wasn't suggesting that y- you were uh, singling out uh, your generation. I'm saying that in general, the idea that there's something wrong with the voters rather than, you know what, maybe there's something wrong with the candidates. Maybe there's something wrong with the politicians who are running if they can't communicate their message uh, or or at least they're afraid to communicate their message. I don't know. Election after election. <laughs> of money of politics, because who are the candidates accountable to? Are they accountable to us, or are they accountable to special interests and to the big money backers in their respective parties who ultimately they have to answer to? Matthew Siegel, before I uh, let you go here, uh, I I want to uh, very quickly... Tell us how you came to do the work that you're doing, because I know the backstory. I know what happened to you in 2004. Let everyone know what happened to you in 2004 in Ohio, and and then I'll have a a closing question related to all of the above for you. Sure. So uh, I've I've had the pleasure of knowing you, Brad, for what is it now? I guess close to seven, eight years uh, or uh, or ten years. Ten. 2004. See, young goodness. young people Ten can't. Years, a decade. Young people can't. <laughs> young people Ten can't years. do math either. Clearly, Matt. <laughs> Ten years. Yeah. Uh, I got involved because <laughs> in 2004, uh, which was my first allowable uh, election to vote, eligible election to vote, uh, we had at Kenyon College in Ohio the longest voting lines in America. They were almost 12 hours long. Uh, and voters stood in line till four in the morning, uh, and many of the networks had already called the presidency for George Bush. We still had people standing in line to vote because we only had two machines uh, for 1,300 voters, one of which was broken for half the day. So that was my first experience voting, and that got me involved in political activism and voting reform work. And that's how I, uh, I came across this guy named Brad Friedman. Oh, he's good. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, the, I like that guy. The yeah, you no, you, but you you've been really a hero of mine uh, for what you did that night, and uh, you know, I guess the next morning back in two thousand and four in Ohio, you saw how. Uh, the system, frankly, was gamed all over Ohio, all over the nation that year when, you know, it was no surprise that there was going to be 1,300 students showing up at Kenyon College in Ohio. And yet the Secretary of State, you know, just managed to get two machines out there uh, that, that worked 
for all of those voters. I've seen problems like that happening all over the country over the past 24 hours, the past 48 hours, actually the past several weeks since we've seen voter suppression, like I don't remember seeing it in this country from the Republicans. Uh, A lot of these numbers to me that I'm looking at the day after don't make a lot of sense. It feels more like 2004 to me than any election I have seen since then. Do you have concerns uh, about the results, uh, how they may be affected, whether it's by shenanigans, by uh, errors, by people simply unable to cast a vote in yesterday's elections, Matt? Here's what I have concern about. I have a concern that our voting process since 2004 has become more restrictive shockingly more restrictive than more available, whether it's the state legislatures who have introduced legislation around photo ID restrictions, whether uh, it's been states like Texas that say you can vote with a concealed gun permit but not a student ID, whether it's been uh, measures that try to block students from voting where they attend college, Mm -hmm. which you have a Supreme Court-affirmed right to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, This has been a consistent, repetitive problem that has only shockingly increased since 2004. And, you know, we've fought tooth and nail to the extent we can. But as you've reported diligently, Brad, with the rise of of groups like ALEC, uh, it's been a wave that we've seen more and more states uh, embrace to make the voting process uh, more difficult under the guise of fighting voter fraud. And, you know, we're trying to dispel that myth, um, but they're good at messaging. And, uh, you know, that gets back to your early issue. We have to, uh, rather than play defense, play offense. And that's what we're going to try to do. Matthew Siegel, the co-founder of OurTime.org. You can and should follow them on the Twitters at OurTimeORG and Matthew himself at OurTime. Matthew on the Twitters. Uh, Matt, it's always great to talk to you. It's it's always a shame uh, the circumstances under which it seems like we get to talk. <laughs> but uh, thank you, brother, for all the work you're doing. Oh, and check out Matt Siegel's uh, uh, new op-ed on last night's fine mess at Salon.com. Thank you so much, Brad. Anytime. Take care. Thank you, brother. Okay, uh, we uh, let me see. We're going to take a break here shortly and then come back. I want to get to some of your calls. Got any thoughts about what happened yesterday? Our phone number is 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. I haven't been able to take uh, calls in a while because I've had so much to talk about. I still have a lot to talk about. So if I can't get to everyone, oh, well, but let's try. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. When we come back, going to talk about some other issues that happened yesterday at the elections and uh, more places where the media is focusing their blame rather than on concerns that I have, at least, about the results of the election, the tabulation of votes, and the ability for uh, voters to vote at all. You know, as I warn people at bradblog.com constantly, a lot of times we don't find out about the breadth uh, of the problems and the specifics of the problems on Election Day and in the tabulation of results until the days and weeks, sometimes months and years after an election. So we're trying to sort all of this out today, the day after 
right here on the broadcast. We're going to talk about that much more and your calls at 818-985-5735. Well, every politician is a crook by definition, and there's neither one the better of the two. And electronic voting has the Koch brothers gloating at the thought of all the voters they can screw. And we all must work and we hate to shirk, but Tuesdays there's a million things to do. So the right wing votes and the good guys don't. And Congress is a teabag wrecking crew. That's cause Democrats are stupid when they don't vote. And Republicans are stupid when they do. Check your facts now. Republicans are stupid when they don't vote. Because you know I'm all about that bass, about the bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass. Yeah, it's pretty clear I ain't no size two, but I can Welcome shake back it, shake it. to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman of Bradblog.com here with you. It's all about the base. Let's blame the base. Let's blame the base for not turning out to vote. Let's not blame the uh, the politicians for failing to have a message, for failing to get whatever message they had across. And let's also, let's by all means, let's not look at the voting system. Let's go ahead and just presume that the election results that came in, despite all of the problems, and I was talking to a, a number of people today who had no idea that all of these problems were actually happening. Uh, let's not look at those problems. The media doesn't look at them. Instead, they look at the results. They presume the results are accurate. There could po- could be no possible problem with them. So the results are accurate, but the polls, the pre-election polls, the pre-election polls that said in case after case and race after race, they would be much, much, the uh, results last night would be much, much closer than they were. Let's not look at those results. Let's presume that the pollsters got it wrong. The independent pollsters who all use different methods to do their polls, they got it wrong. It wasn't the hodgepodge of uh, electoral disasters that occurred when people tried to vote yesterday. Here's Larry Sabato from the University of Virginia, uh, one of these pundits uh, who, who, you know, trusts results. Results, they're golden. There's no question about election results when they come in. Here's Larry Sabato on Fox News this morning saying that uh, don't investigate the polling place. Don't investigate, investigate the problems that people had casting their vote or concerns about counting those votes. Let's investigate the pollsters. <laughs> Well, he looked into his crystal ball and he projected a 53-47 margin for the Senate Republicans. Right now, the balance of power is 52-43 with Louisiana headed for a runoff and then Alaska and Virginia just too close to call. Absolutely. Joining us right now is the man who made that prediction himself, Dr. Larry Sabato from the University of Virginia Center for Politics. He joins us. And we can't wipe out Virginia yet, but you know Virginia best. Why, why was everyone so wrong about the chances of Ed Gillespie winning? Yeah, I want an investigation of the polls in Virginia. They were completely wrong, just as they were in Georgia. They were also way off in Illinois, and I could go on and on. Boy, is that an industry that needs some house cleaning. 
So, and Virginia is a good example. Uh, I don't know whether it was a combination of overconfidence by the by the Warner people. I think certainly a smart campaign by uh, Ed Gillespie, who came very close to being a U.S. senator and now has set himself up to run for governor. Uh, perhaps in 2017 or another major office. So yeah, all uh, elections have consequences beyond the actual day, and that's a good example. Dr. Sabato, who? So the polls that he's talking about, that Larry Sabato is talking about, for example, in um, Arkansas, in the Senate race, the Republican there was a thought to win by uh, 4.7, a poll, an average going into Election Day. Uh, the Republican had a 4.7 point lead. The Republican ended up winning, according to the election results, by 17 points. That's a 12.3 swing uh, from the uh, from from the Democrat to the Republican in Kentucky. Mitch McConnell was thought he'd probably win by six point uh, six and a half points, according to the averages. He ended up winning by 15 and a half points. That's an eight point nine swing. Nate Silver uh, is, call, is calling it the the uh, he's the uh, pollster from 538 or the uh, statistics analysis uh, analyst from 538. Uh, he's saying that it's because the polls were all skewed to Democrats, all of them, all of them. Maybe they were. Joni Ernst had a 1.6% uh, lead going into the election last night. She ended up winning by almost nine points, according to the election results, a seven-point swing. That's a seven-point bias for Democrats, according to Nate Silver. Same in Georgia, six-and-a-half-point bias in the Senate race. In the governor's elections, we saw the same thing. Uh, Kansas, the, the Democrat was actually up. By almost three points in Kansas, according to an average of the polls going into Election Day yesterday, Sam Brownback's uh, contest there, the Republican who broke Kansas. So it looked like he was going to lose by three points. He ended up winning by four points. That's a almost seven point swing in the polls. We saw this in case after case after case. Nate Silver says, you know what? It's not that unusual. In fact, uh, all of these uh, swings were within the margin of error, about five points or so, four or five points. He said what made it unusual was that almost every single one of them was a bias in the polls to Democrats. They all went one way. So in other words, it's not unusual. The pollsters get it wrong or right, you know, within three, four five points. That's not unusual. What is unusual is that they all went in one direction. And, of course, as usual, the media say, well, it, uh, it's the pollsters. It's the pollsters' fault because the election results, those are golden. Never mind the stories that we've been reporting at Bradblog over the last uh, several days and even weeks. Uh, even Reuters jumped in late last night to discuss the voting problems across the nation uh, and a bizarre just voting machines going down, people not able to vote because of these photo ID restrictions. And then there's this bizarre story they, they noted out of Chicago where 2000, 2000 election judges received robocalls over the last several days, essentially instructing them to not come in to the polls on Tuesday morning. They were not needed. 2,000, a full one-fifth of the uh, poll workers, the election judges in Chicago, the Democratic stronghold of Chicago, did not show up for work yesterday. 
polls were not able to open uh, all over the city. And those phone calls were unusual. But uh, that actual problem of polls being unable to open, there was in Connecticut, for example, an as yet unspecified computer glitch. Uh, that caused the judge to keep the polls open for extra time because polls could not open there. In Michigan, voters were turned away in the early morning, including a city mayor. A county in Indiana saw five of its polling place spend hours trying to get the machines booted up correctly. Of course, we reported last week and and uh, many weeks about uh, touchscreen votes flipping. I'm now up to as of yesterday was seven different states where vote uh, votes had been found to be flipping in Texas, in Illinois, in Tennessee, in Maryland, in Arkansas, in North Carolina, where votes were said to be flipping from Democratic uh, candidate for U.S. Senate to the Republican candidate in that neck and neck race out there that. Now, well, that was the one place the Democrats thought they were going to win. Uh, apparently, they did not. And it was a landslide. <laughs> so uh, should we question the results of those touchscreen voting systems that were reportedly flipping all over the state? I heard from a, another a, a former election official in Pennsylvania this morning. That makes the eighth state. He pointed out to me that, yes, 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems were flipping across the state of Pennsylvania as well. Paper ballots ran out completely in Ferguson, Missouri, my old hometown, St. Louis County. Uh, Voters were not able to vote. They were told to come back in one case. Uh, in St. Louis County in Florissant, which is right next door to Ferguson, uh, the election worker said, normally we've got 300 paper ballots on hand. We, he showed up. There was five paper ballots on hand yesterday. It takes a lot of time to figure out what the hell is going on here and what the hell goes on uh, across the country in a major election like this. And by the way, I'm not suggesting that all of these elections were defrauded. I'm talking about what actually happened yesterday, what we know and what we don't know, what the media is looking at, what the media is not looking at. And we had huge problems. Arkansas poll workers were illegally demanding photo ID to vote yesterday, according to the Arkansas Times. That, despite the fact that the state Supreme Court said that uh, photo ID restrictions are unconstitutional in Arkansas under the state constitution's right to vote. So that was struck down. And yet, Arkansas voters, many of them were told they'd have to have a photo ID or go away. In Alabama, last Friday, the attorney general suddenly changed the rules as far as what ID was allowable for voting. The Alabama attorney general quietly made this last minute change to the rule that barred public housing IDs for voting in Alabama. So we had problems in state after state, race after race, county after county. We've got election results that in many cases simply do not make sense. Uh, Vermont, Vermont couldn't even outright elect a Democratic uh, governor. That race, uh, since neither the Democrat or the Republican got more than 50 percent, that's going to go to the uh, uh, Vermont legislature to be decided. 
it's uh, dominated by Democrats there, so it will most likely be the Democrat. But, uh, you know, in state after state where Democrats should have won, or at least should have been close, in Virginia, nobody even thought the uh, the Senate race there between uh, 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 Mark Dayton and uh, Ed Gillespie, the Republican, would be close. And yet it was close, within thousands of votes. Nobody had any idea. Why is that? Are the pollsters bad? Or are uh, the election results bad? Or did people have trouble voting at all yesterday? Our phone number is 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. Let me go to, I'm going to get to, uh, oh, a bunch of calls here. Oh, and Desi Doyen, uh, hopefully we'll get to some green news today. So stand by for that. Yes, hopefully. Yes, we'll get to something. Get ready. Uh, 818-985-5735. Want to get to a bunch of calls. Uh, I see that our good friend Mimi Kennedy uh, happens to be calling in from Van Nuys with a story about what happened to her when she voted. Uh, is this uh, famous and delightful actress Mimi Kennedy? <laughs> it's your friend Mimi Kennedy, so if that's one and the same, yeah. Uh, great to talk to you, Mimi. What's up? Well, to what do we owe the honor of your call today? Well, you know, Brad, I, I could be termed characteristically as an old white lady, so I was fine when I was voting here in Van Nuys. <laughs> uh, but... On my way in, I saw two young men, and uh, they were Latino, and the one friend was saying, well, I'm glad I voted. I don't know why you couldn't, and I stopped them, and I asked a young man who couldn't vote why he couldn't vote, and he was not on the voter rolls. But Why why wasn't he on the voter rolls? I don't know, because I said, you know, you can check your registration online. Let's do it right now, and we did, Mm -hmm. and he was on what I presume is the statewide online voter registration base, but somehow did not make it. I said, did you vote before? Yeah, he voted in 2012. I said, have you changed your address? No. So he was on our statewide voter online registration, and he somehow didn't make it onto the L.A. voter rolls, voted provisionally. While I was there, there was someone else voting provisionally, and he was told, well, it's because he hadn't surrendered his absentee ballot. He's on the system vote by mail, didn't have a your vote to surrender is unvoted ballot to surrender, so we had to vote provisionally. We always get tens of thousands of these in L.A. County. I beg the Democratic Party to tell people your mail ballot, if you get it, you can't just go to the polls. you got to know if you're a vote-by-mail voter, and you got to hand it in, or you'll be a provisional voter. And no one knows if those votes are counted. I gave pink slips to the kids and said, you know, you got to call. you got to defend your own vote. You know, it, 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 did you, did you? by the way, did you work as a poll worker yesterday, Mimi? Because I know you've done that in the past. I have in the past, no, because I had to work at my paying job yesterday, so I wasn't able to be a poll worker. But the poll worker was there, so yeah. yes, we got a lot of provisionals. But, you know, it's an election. It's always crazy. Things happen. There were Stuff reportedly, happens. Mimi, there were reportedly uh, twice the number of provisional ballots cast yesterday in uh, in Texas or in this election in Texas, where the Supreme Court allowed this uh, discriminatory photo ID uh, voting bill to go through for this election only. More than twice the number of provisional ballots. You tell stories about people who don't show up, their names aren't on the list when they go to vote, and yet you look them up, and there they are. They are registered. They are on the Secretary of State's list. Uh, Those are the kind of questions that I'm saying, 
Why aren't why aren't people raising holy hell about this? Fifty thousand voters, fifty thousand voters were said to have not who registered to vote in Georgia were apparently not added to the system, despite this huge turnout, this huge drive by progressives in Georgia to sign people up to vote. And the secretary of state said, oh, yeah, they're they're in the system. Uh, What are you talking about? We don't know anything. You know, not a problem here. Well, it turns out it was a problem. And, you know, the 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 Republic of the Democrat who was thought maybe she was going to uh, either win for uh, for Senate, U.S. Senate in Georgia. None, yep. uh, or at least go to yep. a runoff. She got destroyed. Did it have anything to do with the fact that fifty thousand people who signed up to vote maybe couldn't cast their vote? I, I don't yep. understand why that's not a concern. Amen, Brad. I love your fury, and the thing that I want people to wake up: these are our elections, and if they do stuff like the voter rolls don't get to the polling place when there's digital elections, what makes you think they'd stop? At just going, you know what? Your vote didn't get counted right. I'm sorry. You'll never know. Anyway, the fury uh, is upon me today. Thank you, Brad. I'm listening. You're so great. Well, you're great. Uh, Mimi Kennedy, uh, great actress. I'm sure you know who she is. Uh, She also happens to be the, uh, what are you, the chair, the co-chair, the honorary head Uh, of, what is it? Yeah, I'm chair, founding chair since 2004. I was listening to Matt Siegel. I've known you that long, too, Brad. Progressive Democrats of America. The Progressive Democrats of America. PDAmerica.org. If you want to know who's fighting for stuff, for issues that people can and vote for things like Medicare for all, things like ending the wars is Progressive Democrats of America. Great to hear from you, Mimi. Keep up the good fight. Thanks. You too, Brad. All right. Uh, let's go. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let's go to Thomas in Riverside. Hey, Thomas, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Brad. It's uh, good to be on the show. It's my first time calling in into your program here. Thank you. Welcome. Um, I had a comment to make regarding our you know, the time of year that we're in again, which is voting season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to quote, I'm going to not quote him perfectly, but I'm sure you know of him, the comedian George Carlin. Um, Never heard of I him. Not ringing a bell. You, ha- you haven't heard of him. Okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, you could Google search on him. Anybody who doesn't know George him. Carlin. Okay. Go ahead. I'm not going to be perfect <laughs> word for word, but I'm going to do my best. Well, I hope it's not the yeah. seven dirty words that you're going to quote from George Carlin. No, 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 no. Okay. No. That's good. All right. Go ahead. No, Go ahead. No, no. Well, All right. I already know that. Okay. It's completely separate. Right. Um, he said it best, I believe, and I'm going to say it like this. He said, most people say, where do our politicians come from? You know, they say that they suck. And the question would be, where do, where do our politicians come from? They don't fall through another membrane from another dimension into a reality. You know, they're not some uh, being from another dimension. What it is is they come from American homes and American churches and American schools and American businesses. This is the best that we can do. I mean, the main point is if you're going to have selfish and ignorant citizens, you're going to have selfish and ignorant leaders. So it's maybe not the politicians' fault, maybe it's the, the people's fault, the people who vote, the people who are waiting in line to uh, Oh, we lost Thomas. Uh, the uh, Sorry about that, uh, Thomas. Uh, some Oh, he is there. Okay. Uh, well, we're having problems with your phone anyway. Uh, listen, I, you know, maybe it is the people. Maybe it is the people. I kind of say it's uh, the politicians who are giving us nothing to vote for. But, of course, it is the people who are tolerating those politicians uh, who give us nothing to vote for, who vote for them because they have a D by their name or an R by their name. Uh, I don't know. Let's go to Andrew in Hollywood. Uh, hey, oh, oh, by the way, uh, you can tweet me over at the Brad blog on the Twitters. 
The jazz t- chick. The jazz chick says, I've been looking with a side eye at the final numbers for the elections, too. Whoa, 2,000 poll workers told not to report in Chicago? Yes, that's correct. Seems like it ought to be a big story. I promise you, if it was 2,000 uh, Republican election officials who were told not to show up, that would be a very big story. Andrew in Hollywood, welcome to the broadcast. What's on your mind, Andrew? Hi, this is Betty from Redunda B. Oh, sorry, Betty. Okay, go ahead. My uh, question to you, Brad, and thank you for letting us know what's been going on. I listened to Bernie Sanders and Tom Hartman. Mm-hmm. They addressed none of the issues that you just brought up. Why I'm calling is what I want to know. When they talked about Prop 45, mm-hmm. that Bernie Sanders said, you know, we they overspent us by $50 million dollars. And just so people know, Prop 45 is out here in California. It was a bill that would uh, allow the insurance commissioners to basically say no to uh, the health uh, to the health insurance companies when they wanted to raise their premiums. He would the health the commissioner insurance commissioner would be able to review those premiums and say yay or nay. And of course, the health insurance industry put 56 million dollars into an ad campaign to lie to the people about. Uh, what Prop 45 would do, and therefore Prop 45 lost yesterday. Okay, go ahead, Betty. So my question is, who are those people voting that vote for such a thing when all they see is a 30-second soundbite? Well, because Who they, are those people? Those people, Betty, are you. Those people are me. People, not me. Well, you bothered to look. But the fact of the matter is people are busy. You know, there's uh, six. I think we had six or seven propositions on the ballot yesterday. No, no, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm trying to say that they are confusing to start with. So it's difficult to learn about. And then people come out and lie to you, not just in 30 seconds, but 30 second spots over and over and over and on the Internet. And by the way, if you bother to look up Prop 45 at any time to learn anything about it, everything you do thereafter on the Internet, you'll begin to get Prop 45 uh, banner ads saying how, you know, it's it's a government takeover of health care. Don't get a power grab by Sacramento politicians. I mean, they are allowed to lie. And because of Citizens United and the lack of disclosure, they are allowed to spend $56 million to outspend the, the proponents of uh, uh, Prop 45, 15 to 1. And we allow that. We tolerate it. But I'm not going to blame the voters because uh, I, there's enough people blaming the voters, Betty. Yeah, I, I understand, but people got to wake up. I do. I agree. I uh, c- agree with you. We I'm have to. Short. Yeah. People need to wake up. Thanks, Betty. Really, Thank appre- th- Thank really appreciate the call. Love you back. Uh, let's go to, and this time I'll get it right, Andrew in Hollywood. Hey, Andrew, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, brother Brad. Can hey, you man. Me okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. All right, I got an echo, but I'll, I'll keep going here. Um, if, we, if we can't test the electronic voting machines at all, they're probably rigged, as well as our election system in general with all the money flooding in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm thinking, what, what should we do? Uh, we should keep, keep participating in voting and try and fix it. But in the meantime, we should uh, do a runaround with the Internet of the money, etc., and we should think outside the box. Uh, take a page from the Tea Party, which is not an official third party or ultimate party, and uh, get someone like Bernie Sanders, and we don't even have to create a whole party, all that. Just do a backdoor, bring them in like the Tea Party did, using the Internet to organize ourselves 
And then if we can trust the pollsters, the polls, we, we get real good with the polls to cover our, our bases with the electronic voting machines. So they, it's not too easy for them to, to you know, pull another one on it. Uh, well, okay. it's uh, it's okay. It's 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 hard. There's a lot to do. Nothing is done overnight. I talked about on uh, on this show last week how the Texas uh, uh, photo ID restrictions had been in the works for at least ten years. The Republicans were doing this over and over and over and over. So there is, uh, you know, no silver bullet out there. But becoming engaged, supporting people like the progressive Democrats of America, uh, supporting uh, KPFK that, you know, gives me the opportunity to talk to you, uh, supporting uh, Brad blog, supporting the progressive media out there that is paying attention. I can't tell you how important that is. I can't tell you how much uh, progressive Democrats of America are, you know, fighting to stay alive. Same with KPFK. Same with Bradblog.com. Uh, uh, and then at the same time, we hear someone like, oh, Bernie Sanders is thinking about running for president. And people are like, no, 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 it's Hillary's turn. Don't do it. It'll split the party or some ridiculous nonsense like that. The hell with the party. Vote, you know, your conscience. Vote for progressive ideals. Send a message to that party. That's what the Republicans did. Never mind that the message was stupid. Never mind that it was a bunch of tea partiers who have no idea what's going on. And, of course, they were funded by billionaires. But they said, we demand this. We demand that. Never mind what they demanded, whether it made any sense or not. They demanded it and they voted for it. And the politicians are delivering it to them because they demanded it. So, again, if you stop voting, you know, simply because somebody has a D by their name, but don't not vote. Go in and vote. Vote for the independent. Vote for the Republican. Uh, vote for a write-in. Run for office yourself. Stop rolling over. Uh, by the way, as far as your comments about the elections, uh, voting systems being rigged and so forth, one upside of having this uh, hodgepodge of terrible voting systems around the nation. And we're about to get a really, really bad one here in Los Angeles. We're about to go to 100 uh, percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems here in Los Angeles, the largest voting jurisdiction in the nation. But uh, one of the upsides of having this hodgepodge of voting systems is that it's really actually not easy to game all of these elections at once. Because they're all different. They're all run in different ways. Now, there are a few vectors that maybe we'll talk about in the future where someone could uh, do some monkey business and change a whole bunch of elections in a whole bunch of states at one point at one time. Won't talk about that yet today. Uh, but uh, for the most part, uh, when you see results like what happened yesterday, we still don't know if they're accurate. Almost all of the votes, almost all of the ballots cast are completely unverified by human beings. They're all computers. But in order to game that many elections in that one direction for the Republicans, you would have to have an enormous conspiracy, which is possible. But when there is such an enormous conspiracy, people have a tendency to talk. People have a tendency to come out and uh, the information tends to get out. I'm not willing to uh, say anything either way about fraud in the election. I mean, certainly we know those 2,000 robocalls uh, in Chicago were fraudulent. Uh, we know the attempts by Republicans to keep 
voters from being able to to vote at all uh, is completely illegitimate. But look, when I when I uh, say something has been uh, defrauded, I don't do it unless I have the evidence. And the fact of the matter is, we don't have uh, much evidence at all about anything, because all of our ballots are counted by computers, and they aren't verified by human beings. And when we do have problems, as I've been talking about on the show today, very few people bother to investigate it. I do, but of course, I need your help at bradblog.com to do exactly that. Um, all right, let me get uh, one more call, and then we will get to uh, Desi Doyen and some green news. Uh, hey, Lewis from Huntington Beach. Welcome to the broadcast. What's on your mind, Lewis? Hey, Brad. How you doing? I, I'm okay. I feel your pain. <laughs> but uh, I've got I've got worse news for you. Right. I've been a uh, poll worker for a long time in a lot of different places. Yeah. And there's there's a very simple solution to this, but you're not going to like it. Go ahead. When when someone walks into a polling place to vote, I have to know four things about them. Those four things are: Are you over 18? Are you who you say you are? Do you live where you're supposed to be voting in this precinct? And are you a felon? And then therefore do not have the right to vote. I have to know those four things. Otherwise, you shouldn't be voting. And the only way to do that is the photo ID. Oh, stop. I, I oh, stop, Lewis. Oh, hey, Lewis. No. Hey, Lewis, does I'm, it tell you? I, you know what? I, I'd love to have this conversation with you another time when we're not running so late. Let me, ju- let me just say this. Uh, felons, former felons, they also get a uh, uh, driver's license. So how is that driver's license going to tell you whether someone's a felon or not, Lewis? Well, that's a very good question, but I have a better question for you. Why aren't you taking all the energy that goes into protesting these photo ID laws mm-hmm. and get people photo ID? So, okay, Lewis, so, okay, last question then for you. And, and I really do enjoy the discussion. We can have it another time. If I wasn't running so late, I would have it. Uh, I have it every day with uh, disinformed uh, folks on, on Twitter and at bradblog.com. Uh, but so if they passed unconstitutional literacy tests for voters the way they passed an unconstitutional poll tax for voters in Texas, what you're saying is I shouldn't complain about the literacy tests. I should help people get more literate so they can pass no, those tests. Is that, that it, Lewis? You need a photo ID to function in today's society. Okay. You no, you don't. Go ahead. Photo IDs is a lot better okay. than simply whining about it. Thanks, Lewis. I appreciate your call. Some 30 million Americans function perfectly fine without the type of photo IDs uh, that are required to vote under Republican voter suppression laws. Yes, you can fly a plane. Let, yes, you can open a bank account. Yes, you can uh, rent buy an apartment. <laughs> yes, you can buy a beer without these photo IDs. Texas had a, f- a voter ID restriction in place since 2003, but there were reasonable ideas. IDs, bank statements, uh, tax returns, paycheck stubs. School ID. School IDs, which are no longer allowed, even though they're issued by the state of Texas. <sighs> anyway, Some people just really don't like the idea no. that sometimes people will vote. They No, they don't. And Lewis doesn't either that or he has been totally conned by these right wingers who have been lying to him. And he's uh, so incurious that he hasn't even figured out that he's being duped. Desi Doyen, that is your theme song. <laughs> Usually we would do the Green News Report here. 
Yeah, but we have no time. But so. we have no time, and uh, so I'm going to point people to bradblog.com to listen to the latest. We were not on yesterday uh, because of the election uh, on Tuesday. We will have a new report tomorrow on Thursday, and you can get our Green News reports anytime, and you should, at uh, at iTunes and at uh, greennews.bradblog.com. But what can you tell us, Desi, about tomorrow's Green News report, and what did we learn from yesterday's elections? You got 30 seconds. Go. <laughs> well, what we learned is essentially that the Senate is now in the control of Republicans, which puts climate change deniers and science deniers in charge of all Senate committees that have to deal with science. That's going to have an impact on whether or not the United States addresses climate change and pretty much anything that deals with science like and who? science research. Like who, who's going to be in charge of the Environment Committee in oh, the U.S. Senate? Republican Senator James Inhofe of Oklahoma, who believes that climate science in climate change is the biggest hoax ever per- perpetrated on the American people. That's an actual quote. He wrote an actual book called uh, The Greatest Hoax Ever Performed on Mankind. But there is some good news because there uh, in Richmond, California, where Chevron tried to go ahead and uh, buy the election in Richmond, California, where Chevron's refinery exploded and put 15,000 people seeking medical care. They tried to buy the election. They failed. What? All of the anti-Chevron candidates won. And in Denton, Texas, central of the central of the fracking industry yeah. in Texas. Denton, Texas passed a city ordinance to ban fracking in city limits. So, you know, there are some bright spots. Is that uh, ban on fracking in Denton, Texas going to hold up or will the uh, Texas legislature or the uh, oh, judiciary? They've already, they've already put in suits, lawsuits to stop it. But hey, you know, let's take the good news where we can get it. As they say in the New York lottery, you can't win if you don't play. Thank you, Desi Doyen. Desi Doyen, our producer here. My thanks, of course, to uh, Oscar Araujo for answering those uh, calls today. I almost uh, pronounced that correctly. And to our soundboard engineer, G. We'll be back. Same Brad time, same Brad channel next week. Hang in there, America. I'm Brad Friedman. Have a good night. Good night.